So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. It is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to So What. Uh, we're glad you're here and we're glad you're tuning in with us this week. Um, we're back on week two of our Back to the Basics Quiet Time series. We're just going to go over um, a little bit of what a quiet time looks like, the importance of it, and why you should implement it in your life. As you can see, this is not Andy and Oakley, so we have two guest speakers. We're going to introduce themselves real quick. This is Bill and Terry. Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm Bill Search. I serve as an executive pastor here at Crossings. Um, you see me if you come to the gathering from time to time. I hang out there. Usually I'm in the sound booth so people don't think I'm 25. <laughs> what? You laughed a little too quickly there. Okay. You know, it's right. okay. It's okay. And I've been on staff for about five years now. Awesome. Thank you. And then Terry? Uh, I've been on staff for about 16 years, and I'm uh, one of the pastors along with Bill, but my area is uh, ministries outside the church. Okay. Whereas Bill handles a lot of ministries that are inside the church. Uh, mine are outside the church walls, so we just divvy it up. Okay, fun. And then this is a question that we asked our last podcast. What is your favorite, like, going into fall fall activity or Halloween costume that you've ever done? Oh, I can't wait to hear Terry's answer. My favorite fall activity is uh, protests outside Starbucks because I hate everything <laughs> pumpkin spice. Do you really? Oh, that's so I, Don't I look at my coffee cup. I don't want to talk year. about it. <laughs> yeah, I just well, have a thing. No. <laughs> See, and I... I used to like pumpkin spice, and now I have diabetes. So I, you would have now, to see, had a inject like at home. It's a little bit twenty dark units joke. of insulin to have that one pumpkin spice. No, okay. Um, <laughs> seriously, my favorite fall thing since moving to Oklahoma is going to Wings, which is of course a, a, a kind of a center for various uh, developmentally challenged. I'm not sure what the mm-hmm. what terminology mm-hmm. is used by Wings, but but uh, it's kind of a, a day program for adults and uh, one of the fundraisers is they have these like really trendy awesome pumpkins so i sported trendy pumpkins oh man they're not like pumpkins you get at the grocery store they're like bespoke pumpkins they're different <laughs> colors i don't i never even knew they made pumpkins like this till we moved here and so now we go and spend a chunk of change support a good cause but the front of the house looks pretty fall fantastic. So kind of launching in a little bit more to our topic, the first question that I want to ask you guys, and I think the important baseline to establish when we're talking about a discipline is the why. So why is it important, um, do you think, in your opinion, just for the daily Christian walk? And then kind of how has it played a role throughout the history of the church as well? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, why is it important? Oh, there's many different ways to answer that, but God's special revelation, that's what the scriptures are called, is special revelation. I can look at a sunset and be inspired and think, wow, beautiful, and something created that. But a sunset doesn't tell me the who. The scriptures tell me the who. And I can look around at humanity and make observations about people, about myself, but without God's special revelation, I cannot explain why we're here, where we're going, why the world is the way that it is, it requires scripture to do that. And Mm -hmm. so um, maybe that's more of a theological answer than what you're looking for. But for me, the Bible, every time I open it and read a bit, it just helps me make sense of the world around me. Terry, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Well, I'd uh, add to that from an experiential point of view, just from my past, when I was a business guy 
probably like a lot of our listeners, I would uh, do a pretty good job of reading my Bible, saying a prayer every day. I know we'll talk a little more about how to get that into your day. But I would go sometimes like a month, and I would sort of come up for air. You know how you get really busy in hectic life? I'd sort of come up for air and realize, I don't, I haven't read my Bible in a month, and I don't think I prayed very many times this month. And I noticed over time that it really had an effect on me. Mm. And so then when I was reading my Bible and praying, that also had an effect on me. And it wasn't noticeable on a daily basis so much for me as it was over a period of time. Mm. And so I've just realized that that discipline, if you will, that practice of reading the Bible and praying over time, it's like exercising on any one workout I don't know if I got stronger, but I know if I kept it up, I did. That was my experience with it. Mm, that's good. Okay, so another question that I kind of want to ask you guys is the word quiet time isn't necessarily found in Scripture. And so what biblical precedent kind of is there for that to be a need or a discipline in the Christian life? That's a great question, Paige. I don't know that the phrase, obviously, is used in the Bible, but the idea of reading your Bible and being in God's Word— on a regular basis, daily, obviously, if you can, starts uh, all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter six. And so God has given to the Israelites through Moses, you know, the 10 commandments and basically the Old Testament, if you wanna think about it that way. And Deuteronomy six talks about the idea of love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and your strength. And as you go about your day, I'm skipping forward a little in Deuteronomy 6, but as you go about your day, think on Scripture. As you get up and as you go to bed, uh, teach it to your children. And this idea of being immersed mm-hmm. in Scripture, not necessarily studying it so much as being immersed in it. you know. And really, our quiet time or devotional reading is reading it just to soak in it. And that goes back to you know, circa 1,400 years before Jesus, that the Jews began soaking in the Word on a daily basis. That's so good. Psalms, of course, talks about how uh, people love the the Word. The psalmist would talk about thirsting after the Word, desiring the Word. Uh, Jeremiah talks about the that it it tasted sweet and it turned sour in his stomach. That was a prophecy, but. Yet it was the idea of of taking in the word of God. Uh, time of Jesus, the example that he set was that he went, as was kind of one of his customs, he would go away to a, a lonely spot and he would have a time of prayer and he would have a time, obviously, of scripture because he was so immersed in scripture, he was constantly quoting, quoting scripture. It. Much of his teaching is allusions to or direct quotations from the Old Testament, especially the words on the cross. So it shows a pattern in our Savior. Then it's the Apostle Paul who says to Timothy, study the scripture. You know, it it is inspired by the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit and it's profitable for for teaching and correction and training and re- and all these things, you know. So Peter repeats that and a couple about a year ago I started reading what's called the early church fathers. These are the the people who wrote right after the canon of Scripture was closed, so after the book of Revelation is done, then people like Clement of Rome begin to write and send letters out to Christians in various churches throughout the Roman Empire, and they too reference the amount of references to time in God's Word, the importance of of Scripture, 
this has just been with the people of God since before the Gospels. This is Old Testament into New Testament into today. And on that, it is important to designate quiet time isn't just sitting there quiet, but it's inviting God into that Mm -hmm. part of your life where you're reflecting upon him and praying to him. So I'd even give a word of caution Uh, Some books are out there that people go, I use this for my quiet time. And I'd encourage you, whatever book is replacing the scriptures for your quiet time, replace that book with scripture. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What would you encourage me to someone who's like, okay, like I'm really busy. I don't know if this is worth working into my day. Oh, wow. Okay. So I get get that question from time to time. And uh, the first thing is, is what a bunch of nonsense. I'm sorry, but whenever anyone tells me, oh, I just, it got, a, the day got away from me. It's okay to say, look, it's not a big priority of mine at this juncture of my life, but don't lie to yourself. That's not helpful. That You can't make any life change if you're going to tell yourself something that's not true. Everyone has the same amount of time in a day. It just, some people squander it or some mm-hmm. people just choose to use it in different ways. But the the answer, though, I give before I just scold and shame people, because <laughs> as effective That's as that right is, the gate. that is effective for many purposes. I know how I respond to scolding and shaming. <laughs> I love it. But uh, to to actually exact the change, what I encourage people to do is pray that God gives them a desire for time in his word, that, that he would upset their lives in such a way is that they would crave it, that they would want it, they would lean into it, they would depend upon it, and that they couldn't really imagine a day going by without it. And I think that that's, of all the prayers that we pray, I feel like that's the kind of prayer God really honors because mm-hmm. that fits right within what he wants for us as well. And yeah. so if we if we try to just do it off of self-discipline and hammer it in or that sense of duty or obligation, mm-hmm. I kind of mm-hmm. sense that, that that falls apart pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But if we pray, God, help me love your word as an extension of my faith. Help me love what you have written all those years ago or inspired to be written all those years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I have found that God answers that prayer, at least in my life and in the lives of many people I talk to. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I remember there was one in my life where I was really wrestling with this. I read Psalm 119, which if you haven't read it, go read it. It's great. It just talks about kind of David and his love of the Lord. I remember I was reading it and I just started crying. So I was like, Lord, like I don't feel this way mm-hmm. about you and your yeah. word. And mm-hmm. so I was, that was a prayer that I constantly had to kind of put in my life. Just like, Lord, I don't feel this way. And I honestly had to admit that in order to pray that like the Lord would ignite like that desire in me. I was yeah. like, I don't feel this way. Help me to want to. And he is faithful. You're right to answer that yeah. prayer and to have that desire in you. Yeah. As far as the why question, I completely agree with that. I'd also just appeal to someone, if you were like me when I was in my twenties, I would ask that question. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I am very busy and what is the return on this? So to yeah. speak. What's the ROI on quiet time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so here's the here, here's my answer to that. You, do you remember when you were in your 20s and you could eat anything you wanted and it really didn't affect you? Didn't mm-hmm. gain a ton of weight. You could yeah. still run fast, jump high, you know, all that kind of a thing. But at some point in your life, you know that that's not going to be true anymore. And so if you're smart, in your 20s, you'll go, maybe I should get acquainted with vegetables and eat one every now and then. Now, I realize our <laughs> listeners are too smart for that. They realize, hey, healthy eating is a good idea anytime for the future. And so the why of that might be is even if you don't see the need for this right now, the time will come when your future self will thank your today self for having done some of those smart things. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. So kind of launching into that, I want to hear from you guys is what is your daily 
quiet time practice look like now? Mine, I think Bill's probably got more detail than I do, and I, I think he'll have some really useful things. I'm going to tell you that my day now, and I, but I do have some uh, things to talk about about at different phases of your life. How do you do this? But now, I uh, have a lot of early meetings, but I've just decided I'll get up at 5:30. That gives me, at, depending on the day, gives me at least 30 minutes before you know I have to start the day. So I'll get up at 5:30, and the first thing I do is make coffee. I personally am of the opinion that without coffee, Christianity in the West would have died mm. out a long time <laughs> ago. So I that feel like so coffee's true. key. Yeah. So I used to be a, I'll drink free bank lobby coffee kind of guy, mm -hmm. but then my sons Cole and Tucker turned me into a coffee snob. Oh. So uh, for our listeners who are fellow coffee snobs, here's my routine. So I'm currently using onyx beans Ooh, roasted out of uh, Arkansas. I like geometry and I like Southern weather. Uh, and so I measure out 25 grams of beans and grind those on my fellow grinder. It's a 4.8 on the grinder, <laughs> pour in 25 grams, and then I make a pour over. I use a 15 to one coffee, uh, water to coffee ratio. So that's going to make 375 grams of coffee. And for you aficionados, I like the water at 204 degrees. And I wow. find that's the perfect pour over every morning. And so after that, any quiet time is going to be really good. That's my opinion. <laughs> You're starting so, off real wow. strong. So yeah. So I start with coffee, all joking aside. I really do start with the <laughs> I'm coffee. I'm coming to your house I at 5.30 a.m. Yes, tomorrow. I want to try this coffee. Make you a uh, pour over. <laughs> Uh, but so then I've been starting to journal. I was never a journaler in my life. And so I've decided, okay, I'm going to make another try at it. I don't think it's essential, but I, uh, you know, write down some thoughts for the day, a little bit of, maybe a little diary, a little journey, more spiritual, more how am I feeling, where, how am I doing mm. kind of a thing. And, uh, I read, uh, through a Bible reading plan. So my tradition has been the chronological Bible in a year. But this year, I changed it up a little. Last two years, I did read the Bible in a year with the chronological Bible. This year, I'm doing uh, just a custom plan. I do Psalms every morning, a wisdom literature, kind of do Ecclesiastes, Job, etc. This is my design. And then I do New Testament. So in six months, I'll do those readings. So I have three readings each morning. I set it up electronically. So I don't have to remember this. Uh, each morning, <laughs> Logos will tell me what my That's reading nice. is, but I actually like to read it out of my Bible and highlight nice. and uh, jot it down. And so that sounds like that whole process is like, oh my gosh, that's coffee chemistry. This is going to take forever. I can do all of that easily in 30 minutes. And what a great way to start the day. So I just read Bible, coffee, little journaling, and of course, pray to start my day and there's no better way to start the day. Wow. I, I, I'm just on the journey with you right now. I'm just, I'm, I think I will show up at your house. Smelling the coffee as we speak. I want to taste that coffee. Cause normally I just take a spoonful of Nescafe and just put <laughs> oh, it in no. my mouth with some hot water, swish it around. <laughs> and uh, just dry scoop your coffee. Yeah. I'm an instant coffee snob. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I do like good coffee, but that's next level. Good coffee, Terry. Yeah, that, might be a, a problem. No, no. Maybe I, I need to see. problems. I do not. That. I don't <laughs> judge people for their coffee unless it's pumpkin spice. What are okay, you drinking listen, right now, Paige? 
pumpkin spice. Oh, okay. It's just fall eyes season. Is cu- I, hey, it's fine. I'll put it's, it on the table. I'm no, proud no, no, of it. No, no, no. It's I'm totally proud of fine. It. I'll I'm, say I'm proud of it. That's okay. My blood sugar went up just sitting here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> smelling yeah. that. Perks, perks been in your 20s. Yeah. You know, it's that you can eat whatever you want and I can't wait to I wish I was wearing the insulin pump right now. I could actually just click it since I'm sitting closest to your coffee. No, are you just out of curiosity, translation, do you have a favorite that you do your reading out of or do you mix it up? That's a great question. I'm an ESV sure. guy. I'm not a bigot, but I, yeah. I like the accuracy. Yeah. It's uh, New American Standard, New King yeah. James. Uh, I'll tell you what I hear a lot of people going yeah. to is the uh, what used to be the Holman Christian Standard Bible oh, that's yes. rebranded as the Christian Standard it's Bible. lovely. Been dabbling in that a little, not bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. There you go, Paige, in your Christian one. Standard Bible. I think the marketing on that's yep. coming on, but it's a solid translation. That is good. So I, I'm an ESV I guy love most it. of the ESV time for my study. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. How about you, Bill? Well, I, years ago, when I was in graduate school, I got introduced to the Robert, Robert Murray McShane yes. reading plan. I did that for a couple of years, and in that one, you read the Old Testament through as I recall now, you read the Old Testament through once and the New Testament twice. Right. And I want to say there's even an acceleration of the Psalms too, maybe in that. I, I think, can't recall. I think you're right. Is, doesn't Keller like that plan? He does. I seem to recall him he saying does. at one point he started with that as well. He does. You're in good company, Bill. Uh, well, I did abandon ship on that one. <laughs> um, I, I use, Spoke too soon. I use the, um, the, it is actually the New Living Translation, which is written at a fourth grade level, so I can appreciate it. Uh, it's somewhat <laughs> true, actually. I think it is somewhere in there, but it's the one-year Bible. And you can get, I think, one-year Bible online, I think, is their reading plan, so you don't have to buy one. And some years ago, I bought, if you're watching online. Uh, which the, you should. Which you should. I'm holding up mine and uh, it's got gaffer tape on the uh, sides of it or on the edge of it because it's split on the edge. But what it has uh, room in the margins if I want to write. It, I just flipped oh, to a page. Nice. I didn't write or underline anything. <laughs> September 7 was an uninspired day apparently for me. But um, I, I find that reading it, just like yourself, reading it out of paper uh, if I flip to the right page, there'd be lots of underline and notes. There's something about reading it on paper. The only extent, the only time that shifts for me is when I travel. Sometimes I just read it off the iPad or something, mm-hmm. just because I don't want right. to carry something extra in my suitcase. But uh, that's every morning with not as fancy a coffee as yours, but still pretty good coffee. And uh, and through the years, though, I have mixed it up so. Uh, and incidentally, just this is just for free and aside, I know most of the people listening are not ministers, but Scott McKnight, who is a New Testament scholar up in Chicagoland, I heard Scott McKnight challenge pastors, this is about 15 years ago, and he said, if you are a pastor, you should read through the Bible every year. And if you can't do it every year, you should read through the entire Bible every two years. And if you can't do that, then you need to find a new line of work because you don't love the Bible and you don't love God's special revelation. And I appreciated the hammer down. And I also felt smug because I'm like, well, I read through the Bible every year, Scott. So, <laughs> so that was, that, I always Scott. like it when conference speakers challenge an audience in a way that makes me feel smug. But uh, <laughs> he had a point, though. And I think that that extends beyond just obviously ministers. I think yeah. going back to the idea uh, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, here's what I think happens. You tend to read what you like, right? what you resonate that's with. That's a slippery slope, too. Well, and it, what it does is it's sort of like um, the, you know, like watching the Olympics. The I love Summer Olympics. 
and uh, the gymnasts, the guys that do the rings, yeah. you know, their upper body is just massive, but they have to keep below the belt very light. And so their legs are very not massive, right? <laughs> and it creates a f somewhat distorted physicality. Now it works for them because the, they're gymnasts and they won't always be gymnasts, right? So mm -hmm. later they'll look somewhat normal. But until then, they look really Stretch Armstrong-esque. Yes. And so it is with, I think, Bible reading is if you don't have some sort of plan and you don't have to do a one-year plan, but if you don't have some sort of plan guiding you, you might always turn to your favorites, James mm -hmm. or one yeah. of the Gospels, and you'll miss out on the beauty of the rest point. of Scripture. Mm -hmm. You know, also something I forgot to mention that I would recommend is if you have time to do a quiet time, like you have a set time like Bill and I do in the morning or in the evening or whenever you do it, I think it's really important to have a routine. Yeah. Now, obviously, I've told you about my elaborate routine, right. but the idea of having a it's chair true. or a place you go yeah. or make yourself a cup of tea or yeah. pop open the first Diet Coke of the day. Uh, it's a good choice. Whatever too. is having a routine makes it special and we are creatures that like it's our true. routines. Yeah. I think it's it's actually having a little ritual routine is a great thing. You yeah. said something, I'm sorry, because Paige is the one asking questions, but I am curious. You mentioned something, and maybe maybe we'll get to it later, or maybe now, is you said different seasons of life. There's yeah. different habits you pick up in seasons of life. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I, I remember three distinct stages of life after my heathen stage, which was no quiet time. But <laughs> when you got busy, I remember thinking that I can't do it in the morning because I had little kids. Or, you know, you may have meetings. We were a real early culture at AT&T. We, we'd have meetings in the office starting at 7. So, I mean, it was very early culture. But I scheduled my days in 15-minute increments. We were extremely efficient, busy culture. And I know maybe a lot of our listeners are this way. I would schedule a meeting on my calendar for 15 minutes every day. I would just schedule the meeting. And uh, then I would use that 15 minutes to read and pray. Mm -hmm. And at least I got that 15 minutes in. And I actually kind of like doing it in the middle of the day sometime, yeah. but I would put a recurring calendar entry for that. Later in my life, I was traveling a lot. And so when I was on airplanes or in cars or whatever, my quiet time then became listening. Oh, sure. Because I would listen to the Bible on tape. It's, mm -hmm. I still call it Bible mm -hmm. on tape, even mm -hmm. though it was hard, you know, in the cloud then, but I would listen to my piece, just stop it at the end of 15 minutes and pray wherever you are. So even if you don't have the elaborate ritual and your Bible and your reading plan, it is possible one way or another, whether you schedule time on your calendar or you do it in the car on the way home or to work, there's depending on your season of life, you can be creative and find mm -hmm. ways. I mean, how's, how's that work for you, Bill? Well, I, I think you're right. Different seasons, it's sort of like cross-training in athletics. Yeah. And earlier this summer, I read, you mentioned Tim Keller. I, I read a little piece that Tim Keller had uh, posted about how he engaged in the Psalms. And uh, I always joke that when I was young, the Psalms didn't seem to speak to me or I wasn't mm -hmm. paying attention to them. Uh, it's, as I got older, and maybe it's because you get enough wear on the tire, the Psalms kind of open themselves up, suffer a little bit, have some challenges in life, experience God in a new way, and the Psalms open up. And so some of the listeners might go, what are you, crazy? I always like the Psalms, but I didn't. And uh, about 10 years ago, they really started to speak more to me and encourage me. So when I read this bit about Keller, he he said he used the English book, uh, the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. Mm -hmm. They have a reading plan where you read through the entire 150 Psalms once a month. 
And I thought, you know, I could add that, you know, I'm at a different season of life Mm -hmm. and maybe in a real hectic, busy season, I couldn't, but that's when I got the ESV makes this beautiful. They have a couple different versions of it, but it's a journal. I think they call it the journaling Bible and they, I think it's 10 bucks and it's just the Psalms. And what's nice is then they have a a page that you can uh, journal on one side and underline the other. And so mostly I just underline, but what's great about it is I started doing this in June. And since June, they have a morning reading and an evening reading. There are days that I fall behind. So Uh I just catch up and I enjoy it. So before, you know, in the early morning when I'm doing my quiet time, with the one-year Bible, then I flip over and read the Psalms. And I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just dealing with a different type of paper in a different type of book, but it's funny. I can yeah. move from uh, the hardbound one-year Bible, then I open up this Psalms, and it's it really feels like I'm having an entirely different experience. I don't feel like, oh, this is redundant. Uh, and on a couple, a couple days, it just so overlapped that I was reading the same Psalm twice. And at first I thought, wow, I already read it. And I thought, well, I'll read it again. Uh And oddly enough, I got something different out of it. And so uh, that's just been a new edition that I've tried since June. So here we are, October, a few months in. And I kind of think this might be a new life thing for me. At least it's Mm going to be for several seasons to come, I think. Just because, you know, it's the psalm. It's the song book. Of, it's, it's thousands of years old, it's, mm-hmm. it, and it is wisdom literature besides being mm-hmm. poetic. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you like the actual kinesthetic writing in that book when you write little comments and underlining? There's I, something for to that, I isn't there? I do. I do. And you know, there's another piece to it as well. I don't really journal at this season of my life, and I thought somewhere down the road, all yeah. these Bibles I underline and write notes in, mm-hmm. my kids or grandkids might enjoy, and it might be some sort of little memento of theirs. I might be dead and buried, and they have a Bible, and they can go, well, grandpa or great-grandpa, boy, this really this is what it meant to him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so they're, uh, my, my grandfather kept a journal, and after he died, we had access to them, and pretty much every journal entry was what he had for breakfast, what the weather was, and what he had for lunch and what he had for dinner. Every now and again, there was some <laughs> reference to a headline news story. Uh, but no, my grandfather Nothing was personal. not. He was not an introspective man. It, yeah. In the journals, read is one who's not <laughs> introspective. My uh, Bibles, my kids will be able to look at them someday and go, wow, he was going through something that day, yeah. apparently. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. I'm open in there. Yeah. And, you, and you wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also a believer in that, although I just got through saying there are times in my life where I think if you can listen on the way to work and that's all you can do, wonderful. You bet. You know, but um, I also believe in the kinesthetic value and I've already geeked out on the coffee, so I'm not going to talk to you about it. I have a favorite kind of paper oh. made in Japan yeah. and I am a uh, fountain pen aficionado. And so if you really want yeah. the experience of writing, let me know. I'll turn you on to which fountain pen, which we'll, paper. We'll link the resources. Don't really worry. Need. I think you can tell that I'm not really all that spiritual. I just yeah. like the stuff that goes oh. with it. I'm <laughs> afraid. I think that's what it is. When you pull that fountain pen out in meetings I'm with, you know, I, I just always look over and just with a, a certain degree of envy. And then I pull out my Sharpie clicker, uh, which <laughs> has clicker. a... Oh, it feels terrific, though. If you've ever the written... The Sharpie pen's right actually I'm pretty well. What, it's, not real, bad. it's really nice, but no. not as cool as a fountain pen. You guys both hit on a really good point that I love, and is that your quiet time very much ebbed and flowed based on different seasons. It does. Kind yeah. of of your life and, and what that looks like. That's that. right. Exactly. Absolutely. So what advice or encouragement do you give to someone who 
maybe isn't at the phase where they're reading for an hour a day and just kind of the advice on setting realistic goals for kind of where they're at. You know, I'll tell you one thing I did when I didn't have much time and uh, maybe to be honest, I didn't have as much interest either to be fair, but I really didn't feel like I had a lot of time. There's this little plan of reading a chapter of Proverbs every day and you just read the chapter of the date. So it's a good one. If it's the fifth day of the month, you'd read Proverbs chapter five. And if you forget on the sixth, let her go. And on the seventh, you read chapter seven. That takes seriously, even if you move your lips when you read like me, Mm -hmm. that takes four minutes to read a chapter of Proverbs. And I can assure you that after I did that, and what do you do the month, second month? You do it again. Yeah. And you do it again. And about the third month, I realized every single day, one of those proverbs that were more sticking in my head than I realized. I wasn't memorizing them, but it stuck. Every single day, something connected with a proverb. And so all it was was that little discipline of just read it. Yeah. Don't study it. Just read it. Let it soak in like a sponge, and you don't even know it's there. And so that's such a little thing that even in the busiest times of my life, I could read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Now, that's, I would recommend more. But honestly, if you're at a place where you're not doing much, try that. Try it mm-hmm. for two months and see if it doesn't really reward you. That's good advice. That's where That was where I started, is mm. my pastor. I grew up in a church, and my pastor suggested that I start with Proverbs, and I was probably 14 or 15. I definitely needed wisdom, mm-hmm. and I went through that, and that was one of the things I appreciated. If I missed a day, no, push guilt aside, shame aside, and just pick right back up where the day is. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to start. Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast when I shamed everybody. Uh, is, uh, <laughs> is you know, I, where I would start is asking God to give me a real hunger and thirst for it. Yes. I really, that's where I would start is the irregularity um, can come with seasons, but it could also just be an attack of the evil one. Right. I mean, you know, we haven't talked too much about that one, but but there's another person out there or being out there that would really, really cringe at the thought of people taking their faith seriously, getting to know what God really says in the Bible as opposed to what Bible memes say is in the Bible. And so mm-hmm. by asking God, give me a real hunger, a real thirst for this. I think that will help in a really significant way. And then go after it in incremental chunks. Get started somewhere. Mm-hmm. I've It's sort of like uh, exercise plans in the month of January, <laughs> right? New Year's People comes, everyone's going to, this is the season, I'm going to get in shape. And then a couple, couple weeks in, they abandon it. But if they just said, you know what, I'm just going to walk for 15 or 20 minutes every day as opposed to just sitting on the couch for that extra 15 or 20 minutes, it would make a difference. Mm -hmm. So start where you can and see what comes. And little successes will lead to bigger successes, Mm. I'm convinced. That's good. Mm -hmm. Kind of my next question is both of you guys are pastors. And so real quick, I want to ask you, what is the difference between studying to teach and like doing an in-depth study versus daily devotions and quiet time? Because I don't think that's talked about too often and it gets a little bit muddy. It's a great question. Hmm? Uh, I think there's a world of difference and the temptation if you're a teacher is to never just read devotionally, you're always studying. You'll be reading and go, ooh, that's an interesting word or what an interesting phrase. I wonder what's behind that. And you really have to turn that off, I think, for devotional reading. Because I think devotional reading is... 
where the spirit absorbs it into mm-hmm. you. I don't ever worry when I do my reading in the morning, it feels like, well, I didn't get an epiphany from God and nothing lit up my life this morning. That's okay. That is simply to day in, day out, month in and month out, like a sponge, you begin to absorb the word of God and the spirit does great things with that. So I think devotional reading should be just read it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to analyze it. It's almost more abiding yeah. than analyzing. It's abiding. Yeah. That's a great way to think about it. That's John's favorite word mm-hmm. in the gospel is that abiding in the word. And so just reading it, studying is a different discipline. And I know Bill talked about that too, where you realize I've taken a passage of scripture and I would like to go deeper and analyze that. I may use external resources and I may outline it. I may do inductive Bible study. You will do some kind of procedure with that, but your job there is to go deep. The daily reading to me is just for day in, day out over time. So do you have that same temptation to go too deep on your devotional reading? The way I kind of protect myself from it is I have particular Bibles. I just pointed them out that I use that don't have any study notes in it. They don't have cross-references in them unless there's some obvious reference point that they want to draw attention to. So I allow myself just to read it as an original reader would have read as best mm-hmm. they could, you know. So I I don't get bogged down in the details. Now, every now and then, I think, huh, boy, I hadn't noticed that before. That one seems interesting. I might make note and come back and study it, but in the moment, I don't open up Logos software, download a couple commentaries, mm-hmm. see what the scholars have said about it. I'm just trying to have a time with God. So that... Even if you do your devotions out of a study Bible, maybe try not using a study right. Bible and just use one without those kind of notes. But if you see something and go, well, that's curious, then go back and study that. When I study to teach something, I'm taking it at a different level. And there are resources that lay people can make good use of, like uh, the website I go to quite a bit is netbible.org, netbible.org but also Blue Letter Bible might be even a little better. I'm a minimalist, so I like NetBible's simple interface. Blue Letter Bible is very cluttered, but it has a lot of great stuff on it. Mm -hmm. And so I might make use of that. And then as a pastor, through the years, I've collected resources. Most of them are electronic, but I also have hard copies as well of, of things called commentaries. And this is where a scholar... They may not even be a Christian scholar, incidentally, so you better know before, this is why even just using the internet is a very dangerous thing sometimes, you better know the point of view that the scholar already has. But if I know the point of view of the scholar, I will consult several different commentaries after I've studied the text itself to see what those scholars have to say about the text, because that keeps me humble and prevents me from coming up with myself as the authority. If I just study the text and go, this is what it means, and I never check that out with other scholars, Mm -hmm. then I run the risk of inventing a brand new heresy or an unorthodox reading. Not really how you want to be known. No, no, no. No, no, no. You don't want to be known as that. Uh, Or I might just misinterpret it. So I might be wrong but not necessarily out of theological bounds. I might just be wrong. Mm-hmm. And so exploring what other scholars have to say about a given text is part of the study I go through before I ever teach it. 
You know, back to the devotional reading, which I know is kind of the topic here, and Bill's painted the, the difference between the two. But I love that idea, Bill, of having a separate Bible for your devotional reading. It's not essential, <laughs> but if you just if you really are using a book for your yeah. Bible, just have one that's for that. And you know what? A lot of people are starting to do this. Crossway may have been the first publishing readers' Bibles. Yeah. And it's uh, the ESV text, because Crossway owns that. And they just took out, all it is, is they just took out the chapters and yeah. the verses. So when you read it, it's like reading a novel, but oh, I mean, it's the neat. Bible. So there's no distraction. None of those little headers yeah. that tell you what your reading is about. So that's a neat idea, just to have a separate Bible mm-hmm. for your devotional reading, because you don't need yeah. to do a lot of processing. Yeah, that's good. Well, and if uh, if this is your first time hearing of the ESV, if you're listening, it is a terrific translation. High scholastic effort went into it. It's been vetted by a myriad of quality scholars. Primarily when you hear public preaching these days, it's usually out of the New International Version, which is a great, yeah. most popular That's version. Market yeah. share. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, I, I mentioned I like the New Living Translation because it's just written at a very simple level. But you mentioning, Terry, the ESV, they have so many different this is, I promise, not their. We're not corporately sponsored by <laughs> Crossway or the ESV, but it is. It is a really fine-looking and uh, usable resource that mm-hmm. can help people as they navigate through and read, and it keeps away all that other clutter. Mm-hmm. Okay, Paige. So now the turntables have turned. Oh yeah. So you're in a different stage of life than we are. What works for you? Ooh, quiet. Time. That's a good one. Turn the tables. Um. I've realized a lot of times, like for me, it's been a lot of trial and error because I function a lot differently than a lot of people that I know or that my mentors have. And so for me, I think, like you were saying, reading without the expectation to study has been really big because I am someone who, if I can't do it right, I'd rather just not do it at all. Mm, And so that is a temptation. Oh, absolutely. So that is a temptation that I get into is like, okay, look, if I don't have the right amount of time or the right place, or it's not exactly how I want it, I'm just going to not do it until I can do it correctly. And so what I found really well for me is just like kind of having a plan or having a book that I go through and just kind of laying down those expectations, like, okay, like it is better to do it in a way that is not perfect than to not do it at all. And so that's been the biggest, I think, struggle for me in this season of life. That's a great point. Are you yeah. one of those people, because I am too, is if you miss a couple of days in a reading plan, you're like, I won't oh, read might it. as well quit. That is me every time. That is me every time. Every time. <laughs> I tried to do the Bible recap, I think, three times. It has never gone well. And so I, like, I've learned like those type of plans do not do well for me. And you know what, though? There are recovery groups for people like you and right. me where you can say, it's okay to have a couple <laughs> of unchecked boxes. Just right. get right back just, on. Just send me those numbers going. whenever you have a minute, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, something I've found has worked really well is just kind of having grace uh, with myself, just kind of for the season of life that I'm right. in, and just kind of... Kind of like what you guys were all saying is just having that idea that the goal is abiding, not perfection. Right. And just kind of having that mental switch more than is like a steady resource. And so my last question, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, you know what, this strikes me. There's a, a author I like, uh, he's passed away now, Bobby Clinton is his name, but he was a professor out in a, a seminary out on the West Coast. And um, he said that throughout seasons of a, of a Christian's life, there'll be different books of the Bible, characters in the Bible, um, stories in the Bible that resonate with them. And I, I, I was first exposed to this line of reasoning when I was in graduate school and here we are 30 years later, and it's so true. It's true in my life. You ask people, and it's a fun, it's a fun question to ask people who are believers, is what's your favorite book of the Bible or story in the Bible? And just already go, all right, don't say Jesus. That should be number one for everybody. <laughs> Cop but, out. Right. Um, but 
it's fascinating at different seasons of your life, you might resonate with a Barnabas or mm-hmm. a Moses. You might resonate um, more with a Hannah or a Mary. And it it's, it's kind of one of these mm-hmm. things where um, acknowledging that Hey, don't don't get too bound up in one way of operating. Instead, yeah. instead let the spirit in you drive you to the message you need. Now that I say that, and that could be really dangerous. So with caution, a, yeah, with caution. Yeah. Okay. okay, so going after that, what's your book of the Bible? Ooh. Since you kind of led into that question. Oh, I, you know this is a great right now, example. right now, not for all time. Let's it's not... Psalms right now. Psalms, good. It is Psalms right now. I just find myself constantly enjoying the Psalms. But mm-hmm. if you had asked me 25 years ago, I would have said the stories of David, a guy who really was pursuing God, but kind of screwed it up from time <laughs> to time and didn't quite get it. We've right. all been there. We've right. all been there. Yeah. yeah. And I still like the stories of David. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I like the Psalms. He did write some of those, you know. Look correlated. What about you, Terry? Well, uh, Old Testament, my son Cole and I have an ongoing battle on this. His least favorite book in the Bible is the book of Ecclesiastes. That's my mm. favorite <laughs> Old Testament book. So uh, in the Old Testament, I like Ecclesiastes. It's a misunderstood book. In the mm-hmm. New Testament, I find myself drawn over and over again. Obviously, we love all these books. Yeah. The book of Ephesians oh, yeah. calls to me about every six months, and I have to read it again. So good. If for no other reason than Ephesians chapter 4, I have learned to be content whatever my circumstances. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I could use that reminder sure. every day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how about you, Paige? My favorite book of the Bible um, for a while has been Hosea. I just really cool. enjoy that one. And what just a kind of, story. it's lovely. And just mm-hmm. kind of the idea like the Lord is constantly seeking after and redeeming his people. I think it's really comforting. And I think it's very well written. It's just beautiful to read. I really enjoy it. I have for a long time. It's a good one. I asked that question. I was in Africa on a mission trip. Our driver was a uh, also a pastor. So, and his native tongue was Swahili. So I said, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And I had to ask him to repeat it five or six times because I'm like, that's not in the Bible. That's in, in very broken English. He said, Deuteronomy. Really? And I, and I said, that's the first and to this day, only person to say Deuteronomy. So I said, why do you like Deuteronomy? He goes, it tells me who the Lord is and what he expects of me. Fair enough. Isn't that good? That's so good. It makes me feel like every answer I mm-hmm. give to that question is shallow. <laughs> You're like, that's, well, it's never going to be Deuteronomy, true. so. <laughs> good point. I'm going to say Deuteronomy from now on. Okay. Well, my last question for you guys, just kind of as we're wrapping up, we've mentioned a lot of different resources and things like that. What would be your top three kind of resources or piece of advice you would give someone if they came up to you and they're like, hey, how do I start a quiet time and what do I need? Mm. Coffee, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Good coffee. Good, good coffee. Good no coffee, pumpkin spice lattes. You know, this is like running as a sport. I know this sounds disconnected, but I used to cycling and it is an expensive sport and you got to have a lot of gear. And there are a lot of things you have to have a lot of gear for. You know why I like running? You just lace on your shoes, out the door, hit the road. You don't need a lot of gear. I would say you don't need a lot of gear. You just need to start with a Bible or recording, Mm -hmm. whatever you're using, but you just need your Bible. 
and a little bit of time, five minutes. You can start reading your Proverbs in five minutes. And then if you want to start adding, I think a journal is a good thing. Or maybe a Bible, like Bill was talking, the Psalms where you have room to write some notes. And and you can embellish this as you go. But the beauty of it is just you and your Bible and the Lord is all you really need. My wife Karen says the one-year Bible is like miracle grow for the soul. It's this accelerant. And uh, to me, if someone's just going... Is there a tool out there, the one-year Bible, mm-hmm. will get you through the Bible in one year? And I would always recommend, if you miss a day or two or a week, just pick up. Don't go back Perfectionist like me, don't just drop the plan, just keep going. it go. If you do it electronically, you can just go check the boxes you sure, oh. and then pick back up. <laughs> then you feel better in your soul. All boxes are right, checked. We're that's good. right. But I, I know that on the version app, there's a whole bunch of different Bible reading right. plans. If you don't want to do the one-year Bible... To start from no place to some place, pick a plan and let that mm-hmm. plan help guide and give you a little structure so that mm-hmm. it liberates you from kind of uh, playing the uh, the the game where you just flip open the Bible and start reading. That's disastrous for mm-hmm. most people. So pick a plan, stick with the plan, give yourself grace when you mess up the plan, keep moving forward. All right. So. I think our advice is just get started. Just do it. Amen. Just do it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast today. I know I was blessed by it. I'm sure listeners were too. Uh, you guys have a great week and thank you for joining us.